what's going on? Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm sure you guys are like, wait a minute. Okay, I see Bree. I see Alan. What is going on here? Like, yes, it is the dynamic duo, Simply yes, Bree yes. and Alan Newman Jr. I was going to call you Coco Puff Master. Don't Plank. start. We're not starting that this okay, season. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right. Alan Newman Jr. Um, and this is He Said What? So we are excited to have you guys here. Of course, we have a special guest joining us. We have some really great topics. If you guys are tuning in through or even listening to this episode through Blue Rain Radio based in New York, we welcome you as well. You are more than invited to tune into one of our live shows, which is every Wednesday from 8 until 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, we appreciate you guys. Download the app. If you guys are not aware of what Blue Rain Radio is, download the app at Blue Rain Radio. BlueRainRadio.com, B-L-U-E-R-E-I-G-N, radio, R-A-D-I-O.com. And, I mean, what are we waiting for? Let's go ahead and get the show started. Let's get it. episode of the new season. Bree, how you doing today? I am awesome. Shout out to Scooby, aka Rain Diamond in the chat. I am amazing. I am excited. I have butterflies. I, there's so much going on right now. Um, yeah, the nerves are all over the place. You know, that, that month off did, did a job. So we're going to see. We're going to see yeah, what we it, do. It really did. And for those of you who may have anxiety, listen, we're going to be talking about possibly your favorite topic tonight, which is cannabis. So <laughs> you definitely do not want to miss out miss on this. that discussion. Get your pens ready so that you can write down our guest information. Um, and you can reach out to him and find out more about his business, find out what all he has going on. Um, so I guess, you know, let's, let's just go ahead and bring our guest up. Introducing yes, Mr. Ruben Lindo. Welcome to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Good pleasure to have you, Ruben. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you guys tonight. Yes. How are you feeling tonight? Well, you know, it's a, I don't know, what day of the week is it? Wednesday? <laughs> That's how Wednesday. It's hot day. <laughs> hey, listen, I, I'll tell you, we're going to get into that, right? We're going to get into the section where we talk about being an entrepreneur and, mm -hmm. and corporate America and all that. Um, mm -hmm. listen, there's a reason why I coined myself. The, I'm the Fred Hampton, Fred Hammond of the cannabis industry, because I'm going to give the people what they came for. Right? Oh, so, okay. 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 Nice. I'm ready. So I guess we can just start. This, I should have popped some. We should start with <laughs> our first topic which is raising children. Are we still a part of the village? Now, uh, my first question um, to you, Ruben, because I actually have a child. I have a 15-year-old son. When it comes to 
our youth in this village, how do you feel as far as someone who may not have children speaking on the way parents should discipline their child or children? So I have four children. I have um, a 21-year-old um, all the way down to a five-year-old. So I've had children I've had children around me my most of my adult life now, right? And um, you know, the truth of the matter is I, I always laugh when I have friends that don't have children. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean this to be sexist, but it's usually the women friends of mine who don't have children mm-hmm. who are always talking about how they would handle situations with other people's children. And it's oh. like like what? Like you know, you I get it, you're an auntie and you can experience it, but it's right. different than it's your child, right? Mm-hmm. And so like people who don't have children who who chime in, you know, I always say like unsolicited advice is best kept to yourself, right? right? Um, especially when it comes to matters with children and, and things mm-hmm. like that. It's easy to get offended nowadays. I mean, yeah. we have turned into a society of take offense instead of instead of give grace, right? We've turned in. So, you know, with that note, that's also a PSA. Stay in your lane. Yeah. Because look, when you stay in your lane, it's easy to stay true to who you are. Exactly. Out of your lane, you're going to get run over, right? Because you don't mess with no mama bear or papa bear. That's the last mm. thing you want. You don't want that smoke. For real. No. Never. Mm. Never. I agree. And it's, it's interesting with him saying about we live in a world of offense, but we also live in a society where stay in your lane. Because mm-hmm. literally, the same people who will say stay in your lane are the same ones that will jump in somebody else's lane to give them unsolicited advice. Right. And as soon as you look at it like, I don't want to hear that, it becomes a whole issue and a whole dynamic that becomes a problem. So Ruben, picking off of the fact about I don't have kids. So I definitely try not to be a part of any conversations with people with children on what they need to do with their child. Because I don't know. All I know is them little things are expensive. And I'm good right now. That's all I know. So when, when you are dealing with friends who don't have children, but they're interested in having children and they're, they're like the whole thing with the village. What advice would you give them on what they need to do to prepare themselves to be the parent that they want to be? Or is there a way that you can prepare yourself? Because, you know, a lot of us, we tend to use whatever tools was used on us, whether good or bad, when it comes to raising the offspring that we ultimately have. So, you know, shout out to my boy, Shaheem Holloway. Right. And I'm going to steal something Shaheem said. I watched him on another podcast of a friend of ours, but Shah, you know, Shah comes from Queens. Um, if you guys don't know who Shah is, he, he was a basketball player, uh, MVP of the McDonald's all American game in 1996 with Kobe. Right. I mean, he was the dude. Mm-hmm. Um, Shah got hurt, but Shah said something yesterday about having a, a child while he was in college. And he was like, yo, they don't give you a manual for this. Right. So, so like any advice that I would give to a friend is, be prepared for the unexpected because they don't give you manual. There's no training for this, mm-hmm. right? I have four children. Each of them are so uniquely different. The three youngest 
ironically, my, my middle child lives in Canada. Okay. She is the spitting image of my son, who's the second oldest in mannerisms. Like they were apart, you know, whatever. They eat the same foods. You would think that they were raised in the same house and their birthday is a day apart, right? Oh, wow. And then I have my, and, and like a day apart many, many years later. But like, mm-hmm. and then I have my, my five-year-old who is the exact image of her brothers and sisters mm-hmm. in mannerisms, but okay. only in a copy them sense of the word as being the baby. Yeah. So, so I always say like, they're all different. So I don't really, you know, there's no real advice. Like I remember before my daughter was born, my oldest, I was nervous and, and, you know, she was never allowed to go to bed dirty and, you know, everything. She had clean pajamas every night and her hair brushed a hundred times. By the time I got to the second one, it was like, ah, his, his, his pajamas got ketchup on them. Yeah, I go to sleep. By the time I got to the third and fourth, it's like, what? She wants to sleep in the clothes she played out and they're dirty and all day? Get in the bed, baby. Go to sleep. <laughs> so it shifts, right? We shift our thought when it comes to, to, to our children. Um, and they, they're all so different, man. And it, they're all such a Honestly, and I'm not just saying this, this sounds so cliche. They're all such a gift from God. Like, mm-hmm. and, and my youngest is really the lifesaver, right? Because she came to, she came to me after I did um, a short prison bid. Um, her mom and I got together, we got married and, you know, we had the baby and, and she's, um, she's the one that obviously too is the most persnickety, right? Precocious. So she'll <laughs> test me, but but she's taught me so much about being a dad in the home. My first daughter, I was playing pro football. My son, I was chasing a career. My other daughter lived in Canada. So this one is like, I'm like girl dad with, yeah. you know, so, so, but yeah, man, like that's such an interesting topic too about this. Are we part of the village? Right. I love this topic. Um, when I, when I think about it, we were raised as part of the village and I don't know, you know, where your backgrounds had you, but, but in our culture and the black family and, 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 and our black neighborhoods, we were looked out after by folks in the neighborhood. Exactly. I was taken out of a neighborhood and brought up state New York where we were like one of the first black families and believe it or not, it was the same thing. Like you talk about cultural shock But it was the same thing. Like the white parents, Mm -hmm. my friend's parents would never let us get caught up in nothing, just like my mom wouldn't let them get caught up in nothing. But now and today, I don't know if we're so much of a village as if we're part of an ecosystem or or something more um, distant than a village, right? Um, Maybe we're we're a borough instead of a village, right? Mm -hmm. kind of spread out a little like we, we, we've moved away from 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 protecting our, yes. our children and and raising children right right yeah i i and it's it's very interesting how you how you mention it where you know a lot of the times we feel like other races cannot relate to the way that we were brought up 
you know, mm-hmm. the music, the food, the clothing, just the, you know, activities, when in actuality, they were basically, they had their own thing going on. And then that was the way that they were brought up. But it doesn't mean that they cannot resonate with us because they can't. So the interesting thing and the question that I have for you is that we see it a lot, almost all the time in the news and in the media, the absence of the father when it comes to raising children and how important it is for that man to be in the household, especially with young boys. But we don't talk about the absence of the mother in the households and how it will affect not just the boys, but the girls. So my question to you is, how do you think the absence of a mother plays a role in the upbringing of a male or female child emotionally, mentally, and even physically? That's so deep because I was raised by women. So I I had the other, right? My my, Mm -hmm. my dad wasn't in the picture. but when I think about women, and you know, I'm blessed. I, I have I have children with women that are the consummate mothers, right? Mothers first, and I I think about that effect if they weren't there, how my how my children would be, how they would perceive uh, situations like love, like um, adversity, right? Because I always say. You want to you want to watch you want to watch um, magic. Watch a woman overcome adversity, right? Like, um, and I that's being raised by by a mother, right? I mean, it's all about overcoming adversity. But when I when you think about that question, there's a profound effect on the absence of either parent. But I think the mother more so because there is a there is a natural bond that a mother and a child have just because they were one for nine months, Uh whatever the term of the pregnancy was. Mm -hmm. And I think that there is some instinctual things that a mother passes on to a baby postpartum that, that that child becomes part of the fabric of who they are. And I think when that's removed for one cause or another, that child, a part of that child's fabric is removed. So, so now, you know, you, you may have like a segregated part of, of, of a child, right? Or, or like a missing piece. And, and it's, it saddens me because it's very prevalent in our community. It's more spoke about in the black community, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this is a real show, so I'm gonna keep it real. No, yeah, right? exactly. so, 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 so they'll be quick to point out absentee fathers and crackhead mamas in the, in the black community mm-hmm. in the Hispanic community. Mm-hmm. But, but when it's in the white community, it was, you know, looked on differently. Like she had an issue, right? There's an excuse for the reason why, <laughs> right. right? When in all actuality, the effect is the same. The cause might not be the same in their mind, but the effect is definitely the same. Right. right. So, so, so like, my mom, God bless her, um, Free. This is, I'm so glad we're having this conversation tonight. You guys don't even know what you just touched on. Like, this is like therapy. Right. Um, I'm here for. <laughs> shout, out, shout out to my frat brother, Scooby Doo, for putting this together, man. Yes. Um, definitely, definitely. You know, this is the anniversary. 
first anniversary of my mother's death is this Saturday. Okay. And, and my mother um, dedicated her life to raising um, young women. My mother had a baby at the age of 16 and, and, and raised me, my brother and sister. Um, but my mother also devoted her life to running a respite program that worked in family court with getting mothers reunited with children. Just like, so this is like dope. This is like, this is like so kismic that it, that it came out this way, right? And I'm trying not to get emotional because I don't have any tissues in here. But, but the, the truth of the matter is the reason why that question resonates, and I don't want to harp on this, but the reason why that question resonates is because I watched my mother put women back in the homes or children back in the homes with women and wrote this respite program. And then she went to work at the YWCA after she got out of family court running the respite nursery program to make sure that she could educate and be an example of those women that were missing from these, from these children. Mm-hmm. And I never, until you asked me that question, I never thought of my mother's career in that life. I always thought of it in another light, right? And and, and I think Bree and, and 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 Alan, you guys brought this to light tonight because that's real, right? And this is something that we're faced with every day. It may be grandma, nana, auntie, cousin, sister raising that child, but it's very different than birth mother. And whatever the circumstances are, those roles are heavy. Mm-hmm. Right, and and there's there is definitely a difference the way a mother nurtures, a mother figure even right. Let's just take the mother, birth mother, but the mother figure mm-hmm. nurtures the children, versus the way a father nurtured the children, right? Mm-hmm. And and it's 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 a different balance. Mm-hmm. And again, like I said, I'm I'm, I'm God awfully blessed to have women in my life that that. Um, raise children that way mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah wow listen the universe and the thing was i was stuck on which question to ask but just listening to you and then you know talking about the comparison between you know how when you mm-hmm. were growing up and you know the white families, how they looked at looked after the children, just as the black family said, it was just like that's true. And and what is it that that we're not talking about? And that was the first thing that came to mind is the absence of mothers. I've never seen such a, a pandemic, almost you can say, until I moved to Georgia. I, it was to me, it's just is mind boggling to meet a man who has full custody of his children. And the mom's not in the picture. It's like, wait, what? That is unheard of. But in, in the South, that's all I come across. And it's just like, wow. So I... Alan, are you in the South or in the North? I'm in the South. I'm in Orlando. Um, and the funny thing is, I'm actually, ironically, I think I know about like 20, 25 brothers who have full custody of their kids. Yo, that, and it's unheard of up here in New York. Yes. In, in the Northeast, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the first thing I always say, and this is really judgmental, and I'm going to stop this, but I used to be like, something really got to be wrong with a mother to lose custody of her children. 
You're not the only one, though. You're not the only one no, on that. Not at all. You're not the only one. You know, but 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 really, we don't know the circumstances that people mm-hmm. are going through, right? Mm-hmm. And and in and in embodying the 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 eventual spirit of my mother, my mother saw through all that shit. My mm-hmm. mom was like, it don't matter why she lost her children. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna figure out how to put them back together, them back together. In, a, in a in a in a constructive way, wow. right? So you know that. Yeah, that's a deep question, Bree. Woo! Yes, it is. Okay, so what we're gonna do? And, and shout out, shout out to your mom. You know, may she rest in peace. You know, mm-hmm. it, it takes your mother. Literally, was the village. She was basically, basically, like she helped to rekindle these relationships. And there's so many, I'm sure, grown women and grown men now who were able to be re- reunited with their mother because of her. Uh, I, I mean, listen, I'm sure they're they're thanking her and they're thanking you for even putting that out there because mm-hmm. a lot of times we don't, we don't get the flowers and the kudos and the applause that we should get when we're alive. And it's, mm-hmm. it's always afterwards. Mm-hmm. So, you know, kudos to her for even doing that. That part. That so, because I'm not about to cry these lashes off, we're gonna switch to topic. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna switch to topic to social influences. And Alan, I'll let you. I'll let you kick this one off. Cause yeah. all right, so, social influence. Well, we know how social media has definitely taken over um, when it comes to what is the standard when it comes to attire, music, how you carry yourself, relationships. All of that. Now, Ruben, being the fact that you are a father of four children, um, how has social media affected the way you handle or interact with your kids? Um, do, you, do you think social media plays a part in that? Or do you totally like, I don't need it, it's whatever? Or do you find yourself sometimes implementing stuff you see on social media, whether good, bad, or in between when it comes to interacting with not just your kids, but your family as a whole? Yeah, for sure. I mean, this house, I have a five-year-old that knows all the TikTok dances. (laughs) Listen, man, I got got an 18-year-old, 19-year-old son that plays college football. You want to talk about social influence? We have a house, my my 12-year-old daughter in Canada is a a social influencer, right? I didn't know what that was. I, I was like, well, what is this, all this TikTok and all this? But I find myself looking looking at those trends mm-hmm. um, to try and relate to them because again, uh, you know, I'm 49. I didn't have we didn't have social media. There wasn't no no TikTok. You wanted to learn the hottest new dances. It was Yo MTV Raps. Well, first it was Soul Train mm-hmm. or American Bandstand, depending on which side of the spectrum you're on, right? And then it, and then it was like Yo MTV Raps. Um, mm-hmm. Remember Club MTV with Downtown Julie Brown, right? Yes. And Marcus with the hair, right? Mm-hmm. Shout out to Marcus. Marcus is local cat. Um, but like, you know, we had to watch that stuff and emulate it, right? So like, even now, like, I'll say things like, "Well, how did she learn that?" You know, and it'll be, "Oh, well, she learned it from TikTok, or she learned it, you know, and she knows it all. She knows all the lingo." You know, I don't, I'm not even up on the lingo. Like my son said to me one day, oh, dad, that's cap. And I said, what, <laughs> I said, what? I said, what is that? Like, what, what did you say? And he said, no, that's cap. And I was like, 
All right, cool. So I started running around saying, oh, that's Cap. And oh, like, no. I was like, yeah, what are you saying? And I said, oh, no, my son says it. So I thought it was like, <laughs> I was cool. They were like, nah, nah, nah. Open don't do stage that. lane, right? Again, hang your lane so you don't get run over. Lane, yeah. so, 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 you know, relating to the children, yes. Relating to others through social media, no. But I do watch and follow social media um, on a couple fronts in the business world. I, oh. I watch, um, you know, I'm considered kind of an influencer in my industry. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, again, the word influencer is very subjective. Yeah. So when, when we talk about like for children, yeah, that's kind of cool. Um, for my son in college as an influencer, my son's an NIL athlete, right? So okay. like name, image, and likeness athlete mm-hmm. who, who gets paid to wear gloves. He gets paid to wear a t-shirt. Um, you know, we're building his brand and his network and, and strengthening his net worth. So that's all social media, right? That's all done through social media in the eyes of, of others. But I think that we put up too much stock into social influence as well. And I'll give you an example. Um, there are things that are detrimental to society that go through the world of social social media. Mm-hmm. And those things are like, you know, um, you know, politics, right? People making political opinion based on things that they read on Twitter mm-hmm. or, or picking a stance on things that they've seen on Facebook. And, you know, I think that social media has shrunk the world in a way that it made us all feel comfortable being uncomfortable. Wow. Um, things that used to shock us no longer shock us. Um, again, going back to the political spectrum, social media, we grew up, I didn't know if my mother was a Democrat or a Republican. And when she came home from the polls, we didn't speak about it. We were told we were But now on social media, if you don't have a, a donkey or elephant behind you, like, you know, so, so we've gotten it so blurred and twisted that we allow social influence to, to, to affect society negatively. Whereas, whereas now when we look at social influence, Look at yourself, Bree. Right, I've been following following your show, but following you specifically for a year now. This took a year for us to get this on because of COVID and this and that. But like, I think about the positive influences that we can have through those. But again, it's very it's very subjective in, in how we view it and where we're viewing it from, and it also depends on what time of day in the lens. If you catch me at 5.30 in the morning with some bullshit, I'm going to let you have it. You know, you know, no, it. Or whatever, you know, I might view it differently. But, right. but yeah, man, I, I, man that, that, is, that is a real question, right? And um, something that we as society, we as, as adults now need to take ownership of. Um, we try to limit the amount of time my daughter has that blue blue screen in her face. Mm-hmm. Well, I also don't want to stifle her creativity because we know that, that these kids are getting very creative off of it, right? right. And there's money to be made if, if that's the route. But there's also educations to learn. And there are some mm-hmm. valuable lessons like, oh, no, you won't be shaking your ass like that. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> a five-year-old had a thing about twerking and Megan oh. Stallion. Oh, right? no. and, and, and the time I saw her drop down and put her feet on the 
on the wall. I was like, that's it for TikTok for you know as long as we could remember. I'm not mad at you though. I I I am not mad at you with that. You, she you just got it, but she didn't know what she was doing, right? Mm-hmm. Because she, again, she was emulating that influencer. Mm-hmm. Now, again, some of these social media influencers should also have a tone of responsibility to send the correct message to, right. especially to our young folks. Yes, I agree a thousand percent. Oh, he said twerking. Listen. Nowadays, it's like if you can twerk and show your butt at the same time, you are automatically an influencer. Like you're, you're a millionaire. Yeah, you know I me. Mean? Some of these, some of these folks are making millions. Of, so, so, so here's one for you. I was reading on the plane last week uh, an article. A husband and wife made thirteen million dollars in six months on OnlyFans. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah, believe it. Yeah, thirteen million. And I, you know, I, I ain't gonna lie to you. I, I ain't gonna lie, Ruben. Sometimes, I, Ruben, I'm like this close, my brother. Listen, <laughs> if the application process was not so long and detailed, I don't oh, went shit. as far as submitting my driver's license. <laughs> Free. I, said, I said, in the name of who? He said, "What network?" Listen, we got to make something shake. Yeah, <laughs> we got to get get it popping. <laughs> Oh man. Oh, so but what we're gonna do is we're gonna go ahead and take a quick commercial break. And then when we return, and it's so hard for me to take a break because I really didn't even want to start the conversation, but we need to. When we return, we will kick um kick off where we left off. So you guys are tuned into He Said What with your girl Simply Bring. And your boy Alan. And of course, our guest Ruben Lindo will be right back. What's up, y'all? It's your girl, P, with P's Intuition here on the He Said What Network. Join me each and every Sunday at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time for your spiritual guidance, spiritual clarity, and intuitive oracle reading. All right? See y'all. Peace. Yeah. All right. We are back. You guys are tuned in to He Said What? With your girl, Simply Green. And your boy Alan M. Newman Jr. and our amazing guest, Mr. Ruben Lindo. It has been a pleasure and an honor having you on here. Um, The past two topics have been amazing. But for a lot of y'all, we're about to go into a topic that's going to spear off into what Ruben does on the business aspect. Um, And of course, we are going to talk about being Black in corporate America. Now, I know for me, I'm currently in corporate America as we speak. Um, Bree is still in corporate America yep. as well. Um, Ruben, I'm not sure. I do know you have your business on the side, but I'm pretty sure you are familiar um, with the corporate sector, even as an athlete. Um, matter of fact, I'm going to spill a little tea on Mr. Ruben for those who are tuning in now and listening later. Um, he did play for the Denver Broncos, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Miami Dolphins, and the New York Jets. So even though he was an athlete, everyone knows how the business side of the NFL is run because of how open they are. So this is a unique conversation to have for someone who firsthand dealt with it. Um, so when it comes to being Black in corporate America, Ruben, how would you have said from first entering that sector to where you are now, 
where did it take you to evolve as a businessman? And did you feel like you had areas where you was hit with roadblocks that you had to overcome, being that you were not just a man, but a black man in corporate America? Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, shout out to the NFL for raising a soldier, right? Um, I, I was cut more from more teams than I made and, and, and beat up more than I would like to admit. However, you know, the, the truth of the matter is I used that experience to, to catapult myself into, into business, right? And I always tell people I, I left the playing field and entered the boardroom. But I really didn't go straight to the boardroom. A lot of people don't notice. I worked on a call help desk, right, for a stock uh, stock company, um, for a stock exchange. And then I got into corporate America um, because I always thought that I geared myself for that. When I was a kid, I had an office set up in my house and my bedroom, and I played office, right? And I, I played office. But, but what I didn't know was that I wasn't going to be able to play office in the corporate world. I had to play politics to, right. to get through in a corporate world. Um, I always like to, to, to remind people, um, you know, when, when you're a black man in corporate America, um, now it's a little different, right? With DNI and all that. But like, if we go back to like, um, you know, when I, when I started in corporate America in, in 2004, right, I was injured. Um, I had to like really show and prove, right? I had to show up every day. I had to dress a certain way. I had to carry myself a certain way. I had to tone down and, and be almost demure in, in character, right? So that I didn't offend anyone. Um, those of you who don't know, you know, I, I'm, I'm a bigger guy, right? So, you know, at 230 pounds, zero to 2% body fat when I came out of the league, you know, people would look at you like, you know, they knew I was a ball player, but like they treated us different. Right. right? We, we were, we were an existential threat to the status quo in corporate America and we still are. Right. Mm -hmm. But when you, when you, when you take a step back and you start to realize those who came before you, um, that, that the path was there. We just had to not necessarily walk the same path. We just had to keep one foot on that path right? and, 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 and really study it. Um, I had a business mentor when I came into corporate America, a brother named James Blocker, right? God rest his soul. But, but James said to me one day, he pulled me in a boardroom and he was like, one of two things is going to happen. You're either going to get this shit or you're not. Uh -huh. Right, And I wasn't militant in thought or any of that. I was in a biracial marriage. I, I had all these other things going on. And, and, and I never understood that until I was really into it. Uh -huh. And then when I was um, named um, global, uh, global director of infrastructure technology for Epsilon, and we were acquired by Google, that's when I really knew when I would go to these meetings and I, I was the guy. Yeah. And and I had all eyes on me constantly. I couldn't mess up. I couldn't make the same mistakes that my counterparts in the other parts of the company were making because I was held to a higher standard unjustly, right? Because I was a, a black man. Now let's put another wrinkle on it. I go away to prison in, in, in 20, 
2014, I come home or I come home in 2014 and imagine what it's like trying to be in corporate America as a convicted felon. Oh, no. Right? So, yeah, yeah. so, so, so it was, it was hard, right? I couldn't get jobs. I couldn't do things. Um, and I was more qualified than, than most of the people who were getting these jobs. Um, I applied for 5,000 jobs all over the Northeast in one year. I got one warm, maybe, and 4,800 notes. Like wow. no, no exaggeration. Um, I have a book that I kept every single job in there, every response, every email, thousands of pages of, of stuff printed out. And I did that to remind myself of two things. One, don't go, don't go too far off the path and, 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 and remain true to me, right? Don't let that deter me from being the leader I am in the industry that I'm in now. Right. Like without segueing, but like truthfully, I was the first African-American CEO of a major cannabis corporation as a convicted felon. Right. So now I'm, I'm running I'm, I'm running someone else's company in the most regulated industry in the world and the fastest growing business segment. And no one in the room looked like me. Right. Going back to what James Blocker said, you're either going to figure it out or you ain't. Right. And I figured it out. But what I figured out was I didn't want to be the Jackie Robinson. Right. Right. That's that's a responsibility unto itself. I just wanted to be the role model for young black folks and young black men and women to look at and say, if he can do it with that on his back, I can do it without that on. Right. You know. Yeah. That I, I definitely commend you on that because you see a lot of people who come from the system, from the prison system with a record and they can't, they can't get a corporate job. You know, they're automatically looked at like, you know, some type of failure or just they can't be trustworthy, whatever the excuse is that's provided, even though we all know when it comes to another race who has a record that, oh, they just made a mistake. They just made a mistake. It's okay. I mean, yo, if y'all, if Bree, not to cut you off, but if you knew, like I'm going to share with you, I went to prison for a $5,000 bounce check, my own check. I bounced a check, right? At the same time that I was on going through my case, there was a guy, I knew him very well, who was bouncing $50,000 worth of stolen checks, right? So I'm going to tell you the difference. One of us got two to four years in state prison. The other one got, don't make that mistake again. Well, apparently yours was not, don't make that mistake again. Correct, right? And, but, but, but you know what? Shout out to that too, because that really made me who I am in, in business and in life, right? I operate 100% transparency. I try to keep integrity first in, in all things that I do, especially when it comes to business, more so when it comes to business. Um, and I am a strong believer, strong believer of that happened because it, they wanted me to, they needed me in the industry that I'm in. God set that up because he needed me to be this, this leader in the, in the space that I'm in. Now let's talk about this space right here. Speaking of space, shout out to the high that you get when you intake and indulge in <laughs> cannabis, okay? Shout out to that space, okay? 
Let's talk about Phoenix Nutraceutical, okay? Because it's interesting for you to have a record yet have a, a business, a, a company around cannabis. Because usually they say, oh, well, it's a drug and you're not supposed to, you know, intake or there's so many different stipulations when it comes to the to the marijuana and cannabis so first of all i am nude i'm very green to all of this stuff um so for those of us who are out there what is there a difference between marijuana and cannabis yes oh and what is it oh look at alan too look you you ready for this (laughs) The, the 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 word marijuana is inherently racist and we should never refer to the plant as marijuana. Marijuana was created in 1937 to scare white people from black people and Hispanic people. It was a term given to to folks by uh, former drug czar, Harry Azinger, who, who wanted to prosecute and criminalize the plant. So, so there's, your, there's your answer, is there a difference? Cannabis, cannabis, and, and 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 hemp are the same plant too. Don't let me fool you. But one has psychoactivity; the other does not. Okay, I know I just blew your mind when I said yes. there is a difference, right? Y'all, y'all see my face, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look, I, I like. I, I told you guys when maybe we were backstage. I said. There's a reason why I consider myself the Fred Hampton of this shit. Because yes. I'm going to give people what they came for. Right? I'm going to give you a little bit of history about the cannabis space right now. Give me give me about 30 seconds to indulge you guys. Okay. Right? In 1936, Harry Asinger, who was was um, part of part of um, uh, J. Edgar Hoover's administration and law enforcement, was tasked with two things: to infiltrate and disseminate um, the code between black and white people and and to and to also round up all of the black people and put them in jail and by any means necessary so the first thing they did was they they created a propaganda campaign um, and they used cannabis and they gave it this scary term name marijuana right so when they called it marijuana right that sounded nefarious and scary they created they created an entire campaign around what we call now as the war on drugs started in 1936, right? So so giving giving you that piece of history lets you know that J. Edgar Hoover was just trying to um, really break up and dismantle the black family. They were not successful, so they went to the next realm and they started going after our artists and our musicians. Black artists and black musicians look no further than 1956 with um, the United States versus Billie Holiday, right? Judy Garland was the biggest heroin addict known to Hollywood. People don't notice Judy Garland, right? Judy Garland was the biggest heroin addict in Hollywood. Judy Garland got to go to the MGM home in Palm Springs. Billie Holiday got chained to a bed in a hospital arrested multiple times for her addiction. So they criminalized black people and that's where it started, right? And then when we fast forward to, to, to 1978, 1980, they were looking at other ways 
because they failed to dismantle the black family after they broke up civil rights. Mm-hmm. Right? They, they, they figured we got to come up with a better way. 1980, what was introduced in 1980s? Welfare and crack cocaine. So they used the crack cocaine to take the men out of the house. They hooked the mothers on crack cocaine, took the babies, put the babies on welfare. Now you have a system of dependency. Right. So when we talk about the war on drugs, let's not make any mistake that this was a direct assault on the black and brown community. There was no war on drugs in the white community until Nancy Reagan stood on TV and said, just say no. But what Nancy Reagan was saying, just say no to, was behind closed doors, her husband and Oliver North were trading guns for cocaine and to get to get guns into Nicaragua, to the Iran-Contra, and through Iran, through Oliver North, and my man Freeway Rick Ross in L.A. was the direct recipient, recipient of that cocaine, trafficking cocaine. Where did they want that cocaine to come? To the black community. Right, yeah. The price of crack cocaine was such that it forced our people to participate because it was a glamour drug that we couldn't afford. Right. Okay. Now, fast forward to the 90s. We had one in four black men in America was incarcerated. Right. Two out of six, two, two out of five black men were under some sort of control between 1996 and 2015 on some type of institutionalized paper. So when we talk about the war on drugs, when we talk about cannabis, I just want to give people this history before we get into what I do, because now you'll understand why I do what I do. In, 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 In 2005, 2005, one in four, one in four young men under the age of 21 either was incarcerated or had a chance to be in jail, uh-huh. right? Has been in jail. That's a lifelong sentence. So when we talk about the war on drugs and we talk about this, uh, you know, the Afghan war, uh-huh. last year they were saying, oh, the Afghan war, the longest war in United States history. So the war on drugs, the war against black people has been the longest war in America's history and it's mm-hmm. ongoing. Right. Right. So, so I want to just give that little bit. Thank you for allowing me to indulge. It was more than thirty seconds. No, again, thank you. I want, to give the people, I want to give the people who are listening the understanding, and like now when they hear why I'm in this industry, that just set the to tone. I came home from prison, right? I saw these young men. I saw some talented brothers sitting behind bars for things like having. Um, uh, uh, an ounce of a week, mm-hmm. right? Um, or getting pulled over and the smell of marijuana was the precipitating fact of why they were stopped and their car was searched and they found a handgun, although they didn't have a handgun to commit a crime. for it to begin with. Life mm-hmm. over, right? So, so, so I just want people to understand like what I'm sharing with you and what I'm giving to you, um, that's all real, right? And, 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 you can follow me on social media and, and I'll make sure that everybody knows where to find this information, Brie, because, yeah. um, and, and, and Alan, like the, the truth of the matter is, man, we were set up, we were set up to fail. Right. Um, but I got into this industry to prosper. So go ahead. Let's get to the next question. I'm done. Man, listen, Woo! Alan, Alan, this on you, Alan, like, 
Oh, man, I'm over here right now. <laughs> I was too. I said Billy Holiday. Woo. Man. All right. So, yeah, we are talking about being black in corporate America. But like I said. No, I we done moved into the cool. cannabis. Yeah, we wanted this to spearhead into what Ruben is doing that is not only changing the course for black people, but impacting. So, yeah. Ruben, with you. Unlike Bree, I am not that guy when it comes to cannabis. I don't know the first thing. So I can't direct anybody where they need to go. So <laughs> I want to actually spend this time for you to expound on your business okay. in the cannabis business yeah. um, and what you are doing and how we can actually get more information. Because like I said, the info you just gave, that little bit was a whole bombshell. Because you hear about the war on drugs, but you don't hear people go into details about it the way you did in the breakdown so with that happening one thing i have noticed which you can let me know if this is true a lot of black men and women when they have been incarcerated they end up being the biggest entrepreneurs when they come out because of if you have a felony it is hard to actually get into the corporate sector so you mm -hmm. have to figure out a way that you can make ends meet for you and yours so mm -hmm. when you took that step what led you to take the part in the cannabis industry with it? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I was fortunate. I was very blessed to have two gentlemen that really believed in who I was, that gave me a shot. But I took that shot and ran with it. Um, not only do I have, um, I have three cannabis companies. Um, I, I, I have three very successful cannabis companies. I have a CBD company, nutraceutical company, Bree, that you're familiar with. Alan, you're familiar with. You mentioned it, Phoenix Nutraceutical, mm -hmm. right? So, so for me to step out and be an entrepreneur and, and, and be embraced by this industry, um, I, saw, I saw two things that were missing. Um, I saw that there were adults in the room that had corporate America um, understanding with the street smarts, right? Mm -hmm. um, look, I've always, I've always dabbled in... Can't, I didn't always consume. Interesting fun fact, the first time I ever smoked a joint was with Mike Tyson in 2017. Wow. Um, oh, wow. I was in the industry for two years before I even consumed. Um, 2018, I smoked with Mike, excuse me. And I, I never, but I was always involved, right? I was always hustling. I had, you know, I had links and connects and, and move this for this one and move that for that one. Um, you know, with, with family from the Bronx and Washington Heights and Brooklyn, like it was just a part of our culture, but it was also a part of our economic subsystem, right? right. So how we, how we were able to survive. So, so when I looked at, I looked at this industry, I said, if I could bring my NYU MBA and my, and my Fordham road education to, to, to an industry, how could I shape and change this industry? Right. Well, one is I can speak to the guys on the street who are looking to get into it, but I can also sit in a boardroom and break down cost based structure and, and financial models um, to the Wall Street guys. Right. But the Wall Street guys couldn't always communicate back to, to the streets. So I could I could bridge that gap. And I was like, all right, well, let me figure this out. And then I just got really hip to it. And I said, look, I want to give everybody an opportunity. I'm going to start a company called Blackmar Farms. I'm going to allow my friends and family to invest for no money, very little money, and, and come in and participate in this thing they call the Green Rush. 
and you know, we partnered in with a company in Michigan and, you know, we did our thing and now we're, 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 we're blowing up. We've expanded Blackmar farms is in South Africa. Now um, first black owned uh, cannabis company in South Africa, um, partnered with a South African black businessman. Um, we are looking to go to Panama. Um, but even bigger than that right here in the United States, we're doing two acquisitions in the next 60 days in the state of Massachusetts. And then we're going to come to New York. Right. But the reason the reason why I did that isn't because I want to blow up and I want to make a ton of money. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a firm believer of, of, of equitable distribution of, of the wealth. Right. And not in an EDI mean way. Right. That's more history. Not in an EDI mean way or not in a Gaddafi way, but in a real true sense of the word, in a Christian sense of the word of servant leadership. Right. Mm -hmm. Allowing allow teaching my my people how to become successful on any measure of success that they view is, is really what the industry has called them to, right? Um, and not just the industry, society, because there's more than just touching plants and cannabis, right? There's, right. there's for, every, for every job in mainstream America, that job exists in cannabis yeah. without touching a plant, right? So, mm -hmm. so I wanted to teach people and give them access to this information because just because we have access doesn't always mean it's accessible to black people, right? right? I'm going to say that again, just because we have access doesn't always mean it's accessible to, 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 to the black community. Yeah. So when I got into this industry, I took a shot at that. And then I created a holding company called Equator Holding. Why did I call it Equator? And it's EQ, the number eight, T-O-R, holding, right? The reason why is because there's, there's eight dimensions, eight realms of dimension in the universe, right? People say seven, but there's really the eighth because it's the now, right? Mm -hmm. um, but the other thing, the equator is, the closer our people get to the sun, the more successful, the more we thrive. Mm -hmm. Outside of this country, the closer we are to the equator, the more successful we are. Look at our Egyptian roots. Look at our African roots. Okay. Look at our look at our Hispanic Panamanian roots. Right. The, the closer we are, the more we, we we thrive. So I created that company, and then I have the brand underneath that company, which is which is Urban Couture, which is a mm -hmm. lifestyle luxury brand. We do apparel. We throw events. Um, we uh, uh, we have products. We have very high end products. We consider ourselves the, the luxury side of cannabis, yeah. right? And everything that we do is is a, at an upper level, right? Upper echelon level. Not because we're trying to be elitist, but why not? If right. if, it, if it worked for them, if it worked for Louis and it worked for Gucci, it should work for me. Right. So, so that's that's what I do um, from a social equity standpoint in this industry. I'm a fierce defender and fighter for social equity. Um, for those of you who don't know what social equity is, it is giving equal opportunity to those who who have less to start with, mm -hmm. but want to end up at the same place. Right. And and this weekend at Mega Evers College, somebody said to me, Ruben, what does social equity look like to you? And I said, black and brown people in the cannabis industry first. Mm. Right. I like that. Yeah. I like that. This this industry is not a reparation. Right. And anybody who can hear my voice, let this resonate with you. If you're coming into the cannabis industry, this is not your reparation. This is not your forty acres and a mule. This is a restoration, because they stole this industry from us, and then they put it on our backs, and then we serve this industry under the threat of loss of life and liberty. This is a restoration. Um, industry. And this yeah. is the first time in our lives that we'll ever be able to participate in an industry 
from its inception through on, right? We weren't able to get into the dot coms. Right. How many brothers and sisters own dot coms, right? Like, 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 let's keep it real, right? How many, how many of us got into the housing boom and was able to buy, buy up real estate, right? How many yeah. of us, how many of us, our grandparents were involved in prohibition? We might have owned liquor stores and bars. Mm-hmm. We weren't participating at the highest level of that. We were participating at the retail end of it. Mm-hmm. Right, which is the toughest end of the business chain. Uh-huh. So, look, that that's me. Um, you can find me at um, Ruben J Lindo on Facebook. You can find me uh, on Twitter, um, Runfast19. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. I think it's Ruben J Lindo on Instagram yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you can follow my brand, Urban Couture, on 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 the gram as well. You can find me, you can find my brands. Um, but you know, that's, that's who I am. That's why I fight so fiercely for us to have a seat at the table. Right. But I just came up with something. I'm done with saying, can we have a seat at your table? We're building our own table. Right. I'm not talking about in a segregationist or colonist way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about, we're going to build our own table within the ecosystem of this economy. And we're going to make sure that we all eat equally with the Brads and Chads and the Jamals and the Lizettes and the, and the, and the Jorge's and the Lupitas. We're all going to sit down and eat, right? Because we have to learn how to get together as society, right? And I use the term Brad and Chad and people are always like, oh, you said Brad and Chad. No, no, no. But we need each other. Right. If, if this pandemic didn't teach us nothing. There is no such thing as black and white when it comes to health and death. Right. And and, and we all got to get together and and come together. But again, I'm all about, again, like, like God bless Fred. Fred Hampton said, we have to take care of our own life. We have to be first. Right. So that's why I do what I do. And look, man, this is an honor. I'm so grateful that you guys allowed me to go into that tonight with you. Um, you know, out of all the podcasts that I've done, this is, I've, I'll tell you, I think it was my nerves free because <laughs> the buildup, the buildup and, you know, look, Scooby, Scooby, uh, yo, when you going to get on Bree's show, yo, <laughs> like, you know, Scooby was, he was on And, and, and today I said to my assistant, I was like, I'm nervous. Like, I don't get nervous. I'm going to be, listen, how, how crazy is this? I'm going to do a quick minute of bragging. Yeah. I'm going to be at the United Nations tomorrow. Like if you would have told me eight years ago, 10 years ago, I'm sitting in a prison cell that, yo, in 10 years, you're going to be in the United Nations as a featured guest of the General Assembly. I would have said, ah, you're crazy, uh-huh. right? And 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 lo and behold, man, he, here I am. So so I was nervous, Bree and and Al, like I was nervous and and didn't know how this was gonna go. This was probably my best podcast interview thus far. You guys made this. Oh, thank you, <laughs> thank you, Ruben. Like it has been an honor having you here. Um, 
by far, I don't know what topics we're gonna have to do. We gotta have you come back. We gotta have oh, you come yes, back. Yes, 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 oh, yes. We definitely gotta have you come back. Um, I know we'll be doing some panels and stuff um this year, so we definitely gotta have you come back because the um, this information, like I said, I'm blown away because you always hear the hearsay and what right. people want to hear you say here about marijuana. Had no clue about the preface on the word marijuana. I always, no lie, 37 years of age, always thought marijuana was just the name that it was. That's what That's it was. It. Had no, when I first started hearing about cannabis, I was like, okay, who decided to put some white name on marijuana to see if they can get other people to get it? That's literally what I thought when I first started hearing the word cannabis come out there. I'm like, oh, they trying to make it sound a little, they're trying to uh, pretty it up okay. for everyone else to get to it. Having no clue how they have villainized this plant to make it into something that it is not like it's it's wild. This this was Bree. I'm pulling like so much, so many notes. <laughs> I don't follow them. For those who are listening and tuning in right now and listening yeah. later, I've I've just followed both of his pages on Instagram. I want to re-listen to this so I can get the other um, locations he's at so I can listen. <laughs> I'm definitely wanting to know more information so that we can support you when it yeah. comes to merchandise and everything. Cause I, I like this one thing my dad used to teach um, rest his soul before he passed in 2020. He had always said that one day it's going to be the time for black people to take, to rise up and be the difference in society mm-hmm. and in the community. And people don't realize it's these areas where you can start getting that foothold and getting people back into that. Because one thing, my dad, he was a former drug dealer. He used to talk all the time. He used to say, people think we dumb. He was like, drug dealers be the smartest ones out here. He said, you can't be no idiot trying to sit here and sell stuff on the street. He was like, the way that Black men and women are villainized when they're drug dealers and when they're dealing with stuff like this, and then even with your situation, a bounce check got you put away for two years. Not a smack on the wrist, not a you get probation. No, this is we're putting you in there. Oh, and he's a sportscaster. Sports broadcaster? Okay, so we, we gotta already connect him with RG. We sport. gotta get him with RG and, and Mike. Yeah. We gotta connect them together. We gotta yeah. connect them together. Yeah, I, 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 cool. I, I am do, cool. I don't do sports broadcasting anymore. I, I did a short stint with uh Fox Sports Radio and local sports. Um, but yeah, like Look, my, my, my thing, your dad is right. And I, I just said this the other day uh, to somebody from the governor's office here in New York. I said, look, you know, these people who are who, who are selling and, and, and running businesses, they're not running. They're not running little drug businesses. These people are running sophisticated um, empires. Right. And I'm not talking about I'm not talking about their trap kings and all that, because all that shit like people get that twisted. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about these people are running sophisticated businesses. The only thing is they're just not paying taxes, but they're running Fortune 500 level companies, right? They have hierarchy, organization structure. Like your dad, my dad was a hustler too. My dad, my dad, God rest his soul, died uh, back in '97. But my father was, um, you know, part of part of Frank Lucas's Down South Boys crew, right? My dad was a Jersey guy. Um, my dad was a Harlem guy, but my dad ended up taking the business to, to Jersey. But th- my dad got smart, right? My dad hustled heroin. Uh, for 25 years and never saw the inside of a jail cell, back of a police car, a pair of handcuffs. I bounce a check and my dumb ass goes to jail. Look, you get all of it. Throw away the key. Everything. Right. But, 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 but the, the fact of the matter is your dad was right, man. Your dad was right. 
um, they'd be the smartest out there, right? Um, not only do they have to understand math, go to go go to somebody and say, "Yo, break down an eighth for me." I'm like, "Why? How many grams in the eighth? I mean, that's wild, right?" And then you got to put a price to the shit. That's a whole nother topic. But hey, man, listen, I know we we had an hour. I don't exactly. Wanna, I, I'm honored. I'll come back whenever you guys want me to come back. Um, on the flip side of that, I'm also starting my podcast. Um, it's called. It's it's going to be called. Uh, from the corner to the CEO's corner, um, and uh, we're look we're we're in the process of putting the whole show together right now. Um, and I would love to have you guys come on my show, and, and we just chop it up, right? My show is a little less formal; will be a little less formal. It'll just be conversations, right? And we'll yeah. talk about we'll talk about all the crazy stuff that you guys talk about. Um, you know, God, look, my, my guy Matt Barnes. I, I was talking about doing something like all the smoke three years ago and, yeah. and I'm not, you know, Matt's doing it right. God bless yeah. him. Um, mm-hmm. I was around Mike with the hot boxing. So I, I know what I want. Right. We're out on the corner. Scooby will tell you come upstate New York, you shooting dice in the basement. Right. <laughs> we're, we're, uh-huh. we're drinking. We're, I even have my, you know, I have family down there shooting dice, you know, everybody. Oh, begins, that's right? Snake so, that's our thing. Right. That's just how mm-hmm. we are up here. And, and, and that's what we do. But, Look, I'm, I'll be honored, and then um, I'd love to have you both fly in and come and celebrate with us at our annual event. So let's try and figure that out. I'm inviting yeah. you guys to come to upstate New York. Uh, we throw on, we put on a hell of an event every year, um, Urban Couture. Uh, this year, it's going to be the influence of cannabis and how cannabis influence is the theme. And we got some great things in store for everybody. So I'm excited. Oh, oh. not expecting none of this when I woke up That's this morning. Right. <laughs> and Bree, you got a sweatshirt already. I do. I got a hoodie. I'm gonna get oh, hoodies. You got hoodies? Oh, he yeah, got hoodies. I'm gonna get ah. you a hoodie. Just make sure I have your address and I'll ship you a hoodie. You want black or white? Black. Okay, you got one coming. Uh what size, bro? Um just put it in for me, please. Don't, don't, out, don't out yourself. Just no, I'm cool. I'm cool. Two X is perfectly fine. <laughs> I said, don't out yourself. Gotcha. Oh my gosh, Ruben. It was, I will definitely pass um, that information um to Bree yeah, so she can get it over yeah, to you. And I'll send it over to your assistant. Thank when you. I, when I woke up this morning, this is not this is not how I thought this show was gonna go. Like I knew it was gonna be good, but I was not expecting these kind of gems and jewels to be dropped. So I'm at a loss for words. Um, Bree, you can take over because I'm done. I'm done done for the day. Ruben that got me today. Yes, Ruben, Ruben, listen, once again, shout out to Ray Diamond, a.k.a. Scooby. Thanks, Scoob. Because he has just, you, you don't know what you did. Like this, this is our first episode after returning from a one month vacation. And the bar is just at the top. So, yes. I mean, <laughs> anybody else that plans to come on, unless you come with this type of energy, need not apply. Need not apply <laughs> at all. Like, Ruben, I am beyond anything that words could ever describe. Like, I'm. I'm excited. I'm ecstatic for you. I I have so many questions for you. So many questions. Like even down to 
you know, your intentions, your plans when it comes to passing your business onto your children and how do you educate them on entrepreneurship? Like, there's so many questions. Yes. We definitely. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Definitely a part two. Um, I, I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to be up here with us, to bless us, to just open up the doors and educate us. Like you, you drop those gems. Like Alan said, we both were sitting here making notes like, wait, Mm -hmm. huh? And we're going to pass that information on to everyone else. Those who are listening, those who are watching, please make sure that you guys reach out to Ruben Lindo. Listen, Ruben J. Lindo on Instagram, check out his website, check out his, his businesses. Like, Yes. He has so much going on. And, you know, what did they say? Each one to each one? Mm-hmm. Like, that's it. So so we, what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and wrap up the show. We're going to keep you right here, Ruben. If okay. you have any special shout-outs that you want to give to anyone, we'll go ahead and let you go first, and then yes. we'll go ahead and close the show. Uh, nah, yeah, let me just shout-out my assistant, Nadine, too, because she, she went to work on this. Um, shout-out to Bree and Alan for having me on today. Um Look, uh, CEO is just is, is not just a title for me. It is who I am, and it stands for control every outcome, reach, teach, and lead so that none are left behind. Peace. Oh, my goodness gracious, you guys. Alan. Ah, I'm back again. I truly <laughs> have no words at all. But, of course, you guys who know me here on the He Said What Network, um, you know on Instagram I am um, Newman underscore junior underscore 2.0. For those who know me, know I advocate for not just black men and women in general, but I definitely have a special part in my heart to advocate for black women. Um, Bree and the family has a joke that I'm called the Cocoa Puff Whisperer because of my application for black women. Um, I just want everybody to tune in. We're excited. That's all I can say. The way tonight has went, I'm excited to see what we are going to do every week um, for you guys. Please don't miss next Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, but also keep an ear out because we will have Ruben back. We yes. will have Ruben back because, um, God, this man had, had dropped a lot, a lot of knowledge tonight. Um, but like I said, you can follow me on Instagram at Newman underscore Junior underscore 2.0. Um, and that's all I got, Bree, because I am full. <laughs> Listen. If you watch this show, guys, if you watch this live, you need to go ahead and roll one up and just call it Ruben. Just call it Ruben. <laughs> you know what? I'm kicking it with Ruben tonight. That's it. Just call it Ruben, okay? Once again, shout out to our guest, Ruben Lindo. Amazing, amazing, amazing episode tonight. Um, if you would love to follow me, uh, you can just go to Instagram underscore simply Bree underscore. And it's S-I-M-P-L-E-E-B-R-E-E. Um, if you are interested in following the network, our IG is He Said What Network. We follow you back. We communicate with you. We post great content. Plus, we have more shows. So He Said What is just a show that comes on towards the end of the week. But Sundays, we have Let's Connect with P's Intuition. That show starts at 1130 a.m. And she is providing you spiritual guidance through the oracle readings and intuitive readings, so you do not want to miss her. She is spot on, might I add. On Mondays, we have Simply Sports, which we got to get Ruben on that because Mm -hmm. I know RG and One Mike would have a field day 
um, and, and just chopping it up, of course. So that's on Mondays, 8 until 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Tuesdays, we have the Credit Lab podcast with our host. I mess his first name up all the time because I just think that it's, it's Roni, but it's actually Ronnie Francois. And that show kicks off at 6 p.m. until 6.15. He's giving you tidbits on financial awareness as well as credit awareness. So you do not want to miss that. And then you return back on Wednesdays for the He Said Watch show with myself, Simply Bree, and Alan Newman Jr., and we're not going to forget on Thursdays, we have partnered up with Blue Rain Radio based in New York. So make sure you check them out. www.bluereignradio.com. Make sure you download the app and you can check out the replay of this episode every Thursday from 8 until 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Shout out to our viewers. Shout out to our listeners. If you are interested in listening to any of our other past shows, definitely go to hesaidwhatnetwork.com and check it out. Subscribe so you get notifications anytime we upload more episodes. And with that being said, I wish you guys a wonderful night. Thank you so much for rocking with us. Ruben, thank you for rocking with us. And yeah, you guys, have a good night. Bye. Have a good night, guys.